Welcome to the Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers. And we hope that means you. Whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counselor or community leader. And not forgetting if you're a parent or a grandparent looking to share stories and values with your family. And since the Story Walk is presented by Feast, the Federation of Asian Storytellers, our focus is on sharing Asian stories, celebrating tellers from the Philippines in the East to Turkey in the West and countless storytelling communities that lie in between. Welcome to the Storywalk episode 4 and I am your host Shelly Varma and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host Nidhi Gujral and Kausal Karimi and today's episode is all about the best medicine in the world laughter giggles and guffaws now are you the one who giggles or guffaws well let me tell you something you giggle or titter when you're a bit of a shy of a person, or as Nidhi says, when you're a little bit mindful of your surroundings. Yeah, most definitely. I think guffaw happens more naturally. When something really tickles your funny bones, uh, that's when you guffaw, and then you don't care how it all comes out, right? Just like if somebody's trying to flirt with you, or if somebody compliments you, you tend to giggle, because you think about it. Like the ladies do. Aren't they all very alert at all the times? And they think before they act? So that's when they giggle. And guffaw is when it all comes out naturally. And, and what about you, Kosser? Are you the one who giggles or guffaws? I mean, let me guess. <laughs> I think I guffaw too. Um, it's that hearty laughter that comes out um, and tickles your f- very, very funny bones. Now, imagine, actually, the, go- the guffaw word comes from the Scottish word goff. And it is that hearty laughter which starts from the belly. Imagine a Scots- Scotsman guffawing. <laughs> Well, don't you know, Kausal, refined ladies and gentlemen are not supposed to guffaw. <laughs> but as long as we ladies don't cackle or hee-haw, hee-haw, you know, the sound of the donkey and the cackle that the chickens do, it's all fine. So why don't we, for the next hour or so, tickle the funny bones of our listeners and we all have a lovely laugh together. So let's sprinkle some silliness and let your heart be lighter with the stories that we have lined up for you in Miso, Dimsum and Fortune Cookie segment. Well, we don't promise, but we are going to try our best to be serious while talking about emoting in storytelling with our expert Antonio Hasha all the way from the US of A. Let's fire up the walk with this rip-tickling story for kids by Jeff Gare. Jeff Gare blends talents as painter, puppeteer and mime into performances which have electrified audiences in Hawaii for 30 years. 
his physical energy morphing elastic face and voice characterizations make his shows events he becomes his stories and you are going to absolutely love this one this is odin and the pinoy bird this one's kind of fun really fun comes from the philippines the philippines are that cluster of a billion islands that all got roped into being one country they've got so many languages so many diverse religions and ethnic groups boggles the mind but they're called the philippines and their stories reflect the kind of invasions from above and below and all around the world have come through them over the years this is one of those it's called odin and, and the, the pinoy bird, bird. Once upon a time, there was a giant. Do they have giants in the Philippines? I guess so. Once upon a time, there was a giant named Odin. Hi. I'm Odin. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really big. Yeah, I'm big. And I'm strong. I'm really strong. Watch. <laughs> That's strong. I'm big and I'm strong. And you know what else? I can scare people with my face. Watch this. Oh, yeah. Watch this one. Watch this one. Yeah, I'm scary. And you know what I like to do? I like to smash stuff. Oh, there's something there. Smash out, smash out. Oh, here's another one. Yeah. Well, look, there's a little guy over there. I'm going to smash him. What? You're not so big. I'm really big. And I'm tough, too, and I'm scary. You think you could do something? You can't do nothing. I'm big. I'm Odin. Odin. What? No, not odor. Odin. Odin. I'm Odin. Well, in the story, there was a little pinoy bird. Pinoy birds have a white beak, a black hood, and a red body. Beautiful little tiny pinoy bird. How do I know it has those markings? Google. The Pinoy bird was down in the corner and watched what was happening. That's not cool. I don't like that bully. I'm going to get rid of him. He can't live in my community, pounding on people. Not cool. No way. I can stop him with my friends because I've got a plan. I've got a plan. So I asked the mosquito if he would help. Okay. He asked the bed bug. Okay. He asked the water snake. Oh, sure. He asked the crab. Okay, okay, okay. And they all got together and they decided they were going to go to Odin's house. Now, Odin's house was upriver. They're islands. It's an island community. So they're always on boats. There's more water than there is roadways. So they went upriver in a coconut husk. I thought to myself, well, the mosquito doesn't care. He just flew along. The bed bug, he was pretty small and he couldn't really swim. So he got him back up the crab. And crab could swim. And the peanut bird, he's little. So most of the work fell on the water snake who pushed the coconut husk up to the house of Odin.
Now in the Philippines, the houses are built up on posts because there's so much water that if they build them on posts away from the land, it's a little safer. And also the water can come and go and mud and water. It doesn't really bother them up and down tides. The houses are above on stilts and there's a, a ladder comes down to the mud that you can go up into the middle of the house. Well, the story says, they all went up the ladder into the house. I thought to myself, well, the mosquito doesn't care. The crab with the bed bug on him. The uh, peanut bird, he just flew. That leaves the water snake. How does the water snake go up a ladder? Once they were inside, they each took their places because they had a plan. The mosquito went to the one piece of furniture, which was a rocking chair. The crab, he went into the uh, sink, which had a little water in it. He felt good. The bed bug went to the bed. And of course, the water snake curled up by the front door just in the shadows. Now, the peanut bird went over to the fireplace and snuggled down inside the, the ashes, not the hot ones, not the center, but on the side where there was a nice little bed. And they waited with a plan. It didn't have to wait too long because pretty soon Odin started to come. <laughs> I'm home. I'm Odin. I'm big and strong. And I can make horrible faces too. <laughs> well, he went up the ladder. I'm going to sit in my rocking chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mosquito. Oh no, mosquito! I don't like mosquito. I don't like. I don't, oh, uh oh. Okay, oh oh oh. One cheek. <laughs> Slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> if I hate mosquitoes, I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna get the mosquito net. He went into his bed. Now they have a bed. They have nets over them to keep the mosquitoes out. There's a little slit, and he went inside and he pulled them down and he tucked around the mosquito net all around the bed so the mosquitoes wouldn't get in. Yeah, that'll show you. And he lay down to go to sleep. You know who was there? Ow! 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 Ow, bed, bed bug, bed bug. And he got up and he started swatting around. He caught himself all up into the net. I need to see these things. He got a little candle and he walked over to the fireplace, bent down to light it on the embers. But the little Pinoy bird started fluttering his wings. And he fluttered up. And all the ashes came flying up into the sky and they came flying down on top of Odin's eye. I can't see. Ah. Went over to the sink to wash his face. He went down. I got to walk around. The crowd grabbed him by the lip. Oh, ghost! 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 He ran to the door to get out of the house. And of course, there was the water snake who went under his foot. <laughs> the place is haunted. I'm going to get out of here.
Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So the five friends lived in the house for a long time, had a good time, cooperated, because after all, they knew what to do working together, and they had a plan, a plan, a plan. And that's the story of Odin and the Pinoy bird. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, Jeff, I love that energy. It's strange how we derive a sort of sadistic pleasure in these kind of stories, right? Remember the stories of the mouse deer or the crafty rabbit? Isn't it exciting when these supposedly meek and mild creatures manage to fool the mighty beasts like the lions and the crocodiles? Well, poor Odin the giant, he really got it bad for being such a bully. And now let's lead you into our adult story segment where Devjani Bhaduri is presenting a Tamil folk tale in her own comical style. Devjani discovered storytelling by sheer coincidence and she has been sharing stories across all age groups to spread happiness and joy. She loves retelling folk tales, mythological accounts and authored classics, lacing them with contemporary threads and adding a hint of humour to it. She conducts workshops for multinationals and has been a part of the story project pioneered by the government of Tamil Nadu both in curating the stories and training the teachers. She has also worked at the National Institute of Fashion Technology, Chennai, teaching narrative and storytelling in the Department of Fashion Communication. She's currently associated with Orbit Innovations as a soft skills coach. Hello everyone, I am Sita. No, 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 not that Sita of Ramayana. Oh, no, no, no. I can't step into that fire and all. Oh, so scary. <laughs> Just a name, Seema. What a coincidence, you know. We have one more thing common between us. Husband Rama. But again, name only same. I mean, her Rama was a prince. And mine, just an ordinary villager. Mm. But whatever it is, I love my Rama very much, you see. And I call him Ramu with love. <laughs> oh, shall I share with you my love story? Ah, but let me have the pan first, huh? the mouth freshener. Mm. So, when we were young, my Ramu used to be the most handsome bachelor in our village. And I was totally madly in love with him. But, mm, like all stories, even my love story had a but. Ram had many problems. I mean, he was very short-tempered, you see. He was very, very angry, always furious. Then he used to move around with bad companies and uh, uh, engaged in immoral activities. And I know, the list is little long, huh? You must be thinking still how I fell in love with him. Love is blind, you see. Oh. So, when I heard that Ramu's mother was looking for a girl who could tame her wild son, I thought, Sita, this is your opportunity. Mm. 
I went to my mother and asked her to just go and submit my proposal to Ramu's mother. Oh, my mother became furious. She was yelling at me. Hey, lady, did you get or nahi mila kya? Huh? Did you find anyone else? Have you gone out of your mind? That boy, he will murder you one day. I said, Ma, cool down. Nothing will happen. I will change him. Mark my words. One day you will see him following me when carrying my slippers. Mm. No, no, no! I will not allow you to commit suicide. So Ma was not agreeing, but I also began hunger strike. Yes, after four days, when I fainted, Mother agreed, and then what? Pa 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 pa. Wedding happened with Ramu. Yeah. I came to Ramu's house. My mother-in-law was such a sweet lady, you know. She was so satisfied with me that she decided she would settle at Kasi, the holy town, for the rest of her life. <laughs> so now, only my Ramu and me. And then he used to be away from home whole day. Returned only late evening. Had his dinner, go to sleep, and snore. That's it. No love, nothing. I thought, Sita, you have to do something. Hmm. I began cooking and eating toysedi. When he was away, but in front of him, mm -hmm, not even a single grain of rice. Just served him dinner and stood at one corner with a sad face, as if I was starving. One week passed, nothing happened. Two weeks passed, nothing happened. Third week. He looked at me and said, "Why don't you eat anything? Ah, huh? always standing like a lifeless statue." I said, uh, "I want to die." But why? Because the villagers and my mother, when I was getting married to you, they told that he was such a sweet girl. Why are you marrying him? He will kill you one day. He can't have a happy home. He can't love his wife. He can't be a father. I don't want you to become a murderer by killing me. I truly, truly love you. Rather, I will die out of starvation. What? That's what these useless people think about me? I will prove them wrong. I can love my wife. I can be a father of dozens of children. No, 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 no. Only two will do. Ah, uh, uh, whatever. You eat three times a day. If you are insisting. Only once now. After you start loving me, I'll eat twice. And then when I can prove everyone that they are all wrong, I'll eat thrice. Oh, I began eating with him once a day, but without him, <laughs> twice a day. Things started changing, you know. He began coming home early. He was doing some decent work. Bringing home small, small gifts for me. Yes, flowers for my hair, bindis for my forehead, and then slowly, slowly, he started coming closer to me, loving me. And all this meant I became pregnant. I still remember how much love and attention he was lavishing on me. You know, he even said, "Sita, now at least you should eat thrice a day for the baby." I said no, 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 only twice. 
with the baby and because you are loving me thrice after I can prove all of them they are wrong. Oh, so now I was officially eating twice a day and unofficially you know, right? <laughs> Our baby came. I still remember how Ramu was gazing at the baby so joyfully. He even brought so many gifts for us. Then, after a few days, my mother kept a function at her home for the baby. I said, Ramu, how will I go there barefoot? No, 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 don't go there barefoot. Again, they will say something against me. I will bring for you a new pair of slippers. Ah, on the day of function, I said, Ramu, how will I carry the bag and the baby? No, no. I'll carry the baby, you carry the bag. No, Ramu, I have heard, you know, the men are not capable of carrying the newborn babies. They are not yet firm, no. Oh, is it? Yeah, they are not steady. All right, you carry the babies, I will carry the bag. Are you sure? Of course. Uh, then, Ramu, you just come at my back, okay? Behind me, uh, in case I slip and fall, you can hold the baby. All right, all right. Mm -hmm. So I was leading, he was following. Just before my mother's house, there was a ditch. I said, Ramu, I'm so scared I might slip and fall. I'm removing my slippers. But then how can I carry the slippers and the baby? Ah, you give the baby. Oh no, I can't carry the baby. Yeah, baby is not yet steady. Uh, I'll carry the slippers, you carry the baby. Are you sure? Of course. <laughs> so he was following me, carrying my slippers. And from the corner of my eyes, I could see my mother, the relatives, some of the villagers, they were all looking at us. Yes, mission accomplished. And when I reached home, I could see a joyful smile on my mother's face. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, Ramu is calling. Coffee time now. Bye, 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 bye. I don't suppose poor Ramu ever found out how he had been made to turn over a new leaf by his very own wife. <laughs> I guess all the wives need to learn a thing or two to tame their husbands from Sita. I can almost hear you wives out there listening to us right now nodding in agreement, aren't you? Well, with that, it's time for us to step into our Ace the Story segment. If you ask me, there's nothing more powerful than stories. Because stories have the power to move us to tears, change our attitudes, opinions and behaviours and even inspire us, sometimes all at one go. But how stories evoke these emotions also depends on how relatable the story is and also the way it is told. In fact, there's an old Scottish proverb that says, a story should be told eye to eye, mind to mind and heart to heart. In the last Ace Your Story segment, Roger allowed us to step inside the story sensorially, giving us some valuable insights to transfer the imagination of the storyteller to the listener. So far, we've mapped the story and experienced it with all our senses. And in this episode, our focus will be on emotions in storytelling to Ace Your Story. So to understand this crucial aspect of storytelling, 
We have with us today Antonio Hasha from the US of A. Antonio has performed his dynamic and unique fusion of mime, spoken word with realistic sound effects and his tenor voice from the USA to New Zealand covering 20 countries across six continents in venues such as the Kennedy Center, the Smithsonian and the festivals in the US, Singapore, India, Taiwan and more. Antonio has many recordings and a picture book. He's also a two-time TEDx presenter and amongst his many awards received, he has earned the coveted Circle of Excellence award by the National Storytelling Network for his exceptional commitment and exemplary contribution to the art of storytelling. So welcome Antonio and thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of Story Walk and sharing your valuable inputs for our key segment Ace Your Story. It's very nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all ours. So tell us Antonio, in your professional journey as a storyteller in the last 30 years, once we've stepped into the story and made it our own, how do you think we can take it to the next level where it touches people deeply in some way? Or in other words, how do you evoke emotions in a story so that the listener feels that they have sighed deeply or wept soundly or shuddered severely or laughed so much that it hurts when you pick a story to tell there is an emotional connection to the story already something attracts to you you to the particular story i try my best not to uh force the emotion into the story but to listen to it you need to listen to the story to the audience and you need to listen to yourselves and we need to listen to the story. So actually when you're on stage telling a story, you're doing more listening than the audience is. The story has an entity. The story carries emotions. So let's say if the story is sad, if it's a story about loss, if it's a story about death, the story has the emotion already in it. That's why you're sensing it to begin with. So you must treat it as such. and we are a walking bag of emotions you felt love you felt hatred sadness so we have those emotions already in ourselves so by listening to the story and by surrendering to the story's energy uh, it's almost impossible to ruin it if you just tell the story and let that natural tone of voice that you have for that particular emotion come in then it's fail proof just be honest with the emotion and don't be afraid of pauses when you're telling a story let's say something tragic happens in a story so let's say there's a death in the story that the audience is not seeing it coming it's a big surprise so when that act happens try to give space to it don't jump into the next sentence right away breathe take a breath after it it allows the emotion to sink deeper into their hearts so that's how i approach my storytelling that was so very insightful indeed you gave us a whole bunch of points to ponder upon and to keep in mind to maintain the eq of the narrative right from the listening to treating the story as an individual yeah. and harnessing its own emotions yeah but what really struck me here was when you mentioned about pausing at the right places and letting those emotions simmer i think it's so important to keep that in mind and sometimes even the seasoned storytellers 
are sort of wary of the idea of pausing, just to lose their train of thought or when they get too excited. But it's just so impactful and takes the telling to another level. Yeah. So they often say that when we choose to tell a story that we already have a deep personal connection with, we tend to get emotionally invested in it. So do you think the storyteller should disconnect completely before taking such a story to their audience? Now, another aspect of emotions in story is when the story is not distant enough from you yet. This is where you need to be very careful as a storyteller is that if you are going to tell a story that is too close to heart, that you haven't distanced enough emotionally from it, you shouldn't tell it right away. So let's say you're working on a personal story about a subject matter that is very close to you. You are going to take the risk of causing the audience to fear for your safety. If your emotions on stage become out of control, the person goes on stage and is going to talk about a subject matter that is that they haven't worked on it themselves and they start to cry out of control on stage or the anger is beyond what the story requires. So you notice that the anger is not about the story. And what that does is it distances the audience away from listening to the story because they start, they stop listening to the, the story and now they're just listening to you. So the storyteller should not distance themselves completely from the story, yeah. but just enough to be able to let the emotions in the story flow easily and not overpower it, right? Right. Right. So tell me, out of oral and visual, which medium do you think is more challenging in terms of evoking emotions? And what is it that we need to keep in mind while telling on either of these mediums? They are both valid mediums the visual and the audio only. However, the major difference there is that one, you have the body, the other one, the audience does not see the body. So the physical is much more eloquent than the voice. The minute you walk on stage, you're already carrying emotions. The audience can see that right away. So a, a storyteller who is very observant of their body language doesn't even need to do much on stage in terms of portraying the emotion because the body will have that emotion, you know, and the voice will have that emotion because the emotion starts in the mind, in thought form. Then it goes into physical form and only if necessary, there is a verbal form of it. So when you're on stage, the audience sees that. When you're recording your story, the audience doesn't see that. So when you're recording, you have to be more aware of how the physical manifestation of that emotion is happening while you're recording it. So you need to let that go to your voice. And so the voice will have it. He was, he was very upset talking to his daughter about it. How could you have done it? Oh, my goodness. Oh, we've had so many conversations about it, my dear. Why did you do it again? So I'm holding a certain posture when I improvise that, and I have a certain breath that goes with it, and I have a certain tone of voice that goes with it, and I let it be. 
but I don't let it lose control. I'm, I'm, I'm performing this. And you could feel the emotions in the tone of voice. What I just did was there was tone of voice, there was pause, there was breath, a sigh, <sighs> the frustration. I don't even need to say, and he spoke with great passion and frustration with his daughter. I don't have to say that because it, you can hear it. So does there need to be a distinct difference in the way a storyteller emotes for a younger audience vis-a-vis an adult audience? As in, should the emotions be toned down for the kids? Yeah, I think, again, young, depending on how young. If you're talking about kindergarten, first graders, if you're talking about five, six-year-olds, you are not telling them she sank into the water and her alligator bit her to pieces and her heart went out. You know, you're not, you're not going to do that to five-year-olds. So you can let your face, you know, if you're seeing them. And the wicked... A monster came out of the woo. And you do those voice modulations and kids, you know, they hold on. You know, when I do that, they hold on to each other. You know, sometimes they hug each other and, and they know that I am playing that. And it's almost like they are laughing while they're feeling scared. They are looking at me with a smile sometimes because they like feeling scared, but they know I'm being safe with them. But if I flip that and I go full anger, like I could do with an adult audience, which the adult audience will know I am playing that, but the little kid doesn't, so they'll get scared. The audience won't get scared. Usually storytelling for five-year-olds, their emotions are very on the surface of their skin. You take a little toy from a five-year-old, they'll cry a whole bucket. You uh, make something funny, they'll laugh. So as we say in Brazil, they carry their emotions on their skin. They will, they'll tell you what they are perceiving emotionally, and, and then you can feed on that. That's actually so true. The emotions of the kids are so fluid and it comes so naturally to them. While we adults, we try to hold it in. It's just so hard for us to show it. Yeah. Right? Right. But this was such a wonderful interaction. You've given us such great insights into emoting. I didn't even know there were so many aspects of it. I'm sure our listeners out there enjoyed listening to you and it certainly will be extremely helpful for so many of us. So thank you once again for this little masterclass and it's been so lovely to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, what you just heard was a super condensed version of the masterclass that Antonio gave me, Nidhi and Kosser, very generously sharing his learnings and experience. You know, my main takeaway from all the interviews that we have had with expert storytellers, you know, on ACU Story is tell stories in your own authentic voice. And voice meaning, you know, not just a literal voice, but your own perspective and understanding that you bring to the story based on your culture and experiences in life. And I will surely remember this while telling stories. But for now, let's head to the virtual pantry where Nidhi and Kosser are eagerly waiting for a coffee, cake and a chat. You know, this is always my favorite part while recording the podcast because we chat, we argue, be silly and spend hours to record just five to six minutes of the segment. So come along and hear what we have in store for you this time. 
So Nidhi and Kosar, I have a surprise for you. We are going to play a game, a game that is going to twist your tongue around your mouth. Have you heard of tongue twisters? Haven't we all done all of that while we were little? I'm sure we all have, haven't we? I remember this tongue twister that my sister used to give me all the time and <laughs> I used to roll with laughter. Uh, you know that one, um, Chandu ke chacha ne chandu ke chachi ko chandni ke chamar se My tongue is already twisting around my mouth. Okay, so here's one that I want you to say three times, okay? It's very easy, very simple. It's kacha papad, pakka papad. So who's going to go for it? I think I'll go first. Kacha papad, pakka papad. 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 I think I got it. It's it's easy. <laughs> it's not bad. Not bad. Yes. Now let me let me give it a shot now. Kacha papad, pakka papad. Kacha papad, pakka papad. Kacha papad, pakka papad. Kacha papad, pakka papad. Yes, I said it four times. Okay, now let me give you something. Okay, so when I go to tell stories to my preschoolers, um, usually they are very prim and proper and they are very nervous. I'm nervous too. So just to break the ice, I'll start with, let's try something, saying something like this. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. And then they burst into laughter. So now I'm going to invite both of you to try red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry at least five times. So who's going to go first? I think I'm going to go first. Uh, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry. Nidhi, I think you are too mindful of these tongue twisters. You have to say them very quickly. Okay, let me try. Red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry. <laughs> lorry, lorry, lorry. <laughs> no. This was definitely more difficult than kacha papad, pakka papad. I'm going to give you guys one more. Can you can a can as a can a can can a can? Why don't you all go ahead and try it? Try it once, I dare you. Oh, can you can a can as a can a can can a can? <laughs> I don't know what I said. <laughs> can you can a can? Can you can a can as a can a can 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 can? <laughs> you know what this brings to mind? While it's really humorous, it brings to mind a Chinese folktale, uh, which is not really a tongue twister, but it is a folktale about this boy who had a terribly long name. And uh, it was supposed to be a custom in China a long time ago to have a really long name for their first child because they considered it lucky. The longer the name, the luckier the child. I know, I know, Nidhi. Tiki Tiki Tembo, isn't it? Yes, Kossar, you got that. So let me tell you the name and why don't you guys try and repeat it after me. So the name goes like this. Oh tiki Tiki Tembo, Nusa Rembo, Chari Bari Ruchi, Pip Peri Pembo. I said it very slowly for all you guys, so maybe you can get it now. I can only say that's an awfully long name for your first child or any child. <laughs> 
let me try it out. <clears throat> I'll imagine that I my child is in in her room and I'm trying to call her. Tiki tiki tembo, nusa rembo, cherry berry roti, peri peri mambo. My God, that's a tough one. Tiki tiki tembo, nusa rembo, cherry berry roti, peri mambo. Where are you? I must say that was a great first attempt. <laughs> It was a rather long name to remember and both of you just nailed it. Bravo! It actually took me a while to be able to say the whole thing in one breath. See, that's the thing about tongue twisters. It actually brings out such a lot of humor as in a storyteller and also amongst their audience. It is a very good response to um uh, to whatever the storyteller is trying to tell it like you know when you if you can invoke a, a giggle or a laughter or a loud laugh i think it gives great joy to the storyteller though he may have told the story time and again like like how i enjoy red lorry yellow lorry red lorry yellow lorry and those preschoolers struggling with it they go on they go on you know it's fun yeah it shows on to say right that we all need a bit of humor in our life don't we we need to get into that mode of silliness and just have fun and i go back to what i said earlier laughter is the best medicine in the world isn't it i can bet some of our listeners out there are also trying out these tongue twisters with us so why don't we leave them in our show notes for you so that once you've been able to stop laughing yes it's going to make you laugh like a lot and then you can have a go at them whenever you want well everyone all this laughing and giggling aside let me share some exciting news from feast as you all know some of our feast members travel to turkey for a unique storytelling experience called the lishin way which was organized by chem alpha now chem along with prakriti agarwal and sui yen wong completed a mentorship program with joe henwood Prakriti, Sweyan and Chem will be sharing and presenting their program details in a special webinar called Cultural Sites Presentation on June 2nd. In the meanwhile, do check out our website for blog posts and photographs about the Turkey experience and our address is www.feast-story.org. Other programs and webinars happening in June include the SIG Games on June 24th, the third in our series hosted by Ala, Lavanya and Chem. Now, if you are a history buff like me, you would definitely sign up for a webinar by Sheila Arnold happening on June 15th called Being History, which is a historical character interpretation for storytellers. Another exciting thing happening is the Kids Olio on June 28th. Now June as we all know is the month filled with celebrations. Feast brings you another reason to celebrate with June Jubilee, a storytelling fiesta packed with lively stories told in fresh and engaging ways. So come celebrate with us the World Environment Day, World Ocean Day, World Milk Day and World Music Day. Interestingly, our June podcast is also based on the theme of music and it will be releasing on June 24th. Now, if you need more details, do visit our website www.feast-story.org. 
I'm sharing the website address in the show notes. Well, thank you, Kosar, for the information and we're surely looking forward to June. And now let's move on to the MTL segment. Khichdi is a mishmash of rice and lentils and a whole lot thrown in. A bit of this, a bit of that. No perfect proportions, but the end result is absolutely lip-smacking. A multilingual story told in tandem is a lot like Khichdi. Like this story that we have for you in our fortune cookie segment. Woven around the harvest festival of Makar Sankranti, also called as Khichdi festival in the state of Jharkhand in India, this is a popular folktale from the region told by Richa Sinha in Bhojpuri and Meenu Shivaramakrishnan in English. Richa Sinha is the founder of the Story Munch and a festival curator. With her delightful stories in Hindi, English and Bhojpuri, she aims to increase the happiness and emotional quotient of people. Meenu, a performance storyteller from Bengaluru, India, truly believes that stories are an experience that are not only entertaining but also enriching. And after a decade in the IT industry, she quit to pursue her passion and love for performing arts. She began her initiative called Kathagalata, Unleash Your Joy Through Stories, to rekindle the joy of discovering characters and revive the lore for oral storytelling. A long time back, in the state of Jharkhand in India, where Kichidi is not just a delicious dish, but also a festival that is celebrated in the month of January, there lived a boy named Papu. Papu was so excited as he was getting ready to visit his aunt. Papu! Oh, Papu! Where are you? Mahi! Hum... मौसी घर जायलक तैयार हो रहल बनी काहे कि तू कह रहे रहो कि बरीज मकर संक्रांति पे हमरा रांची अकेले जाय देबू ए मैया जाय देबू नु ओके ओके बी केयरफुल ओके एंड कम बैक बिफोर नाइटफॉल एंड डोंट फॉरगेट योर वे बैक होम पप्पू हां हमर माई सबसे बढ़िया हमर माई सबसे बढ़िया हमर माई सबसे बढ़िया एंड दस हैप्पीली सिंगिंग Papu went on his way, crossing vast rice fields ready to be harvested, beautiful forests of sal, palash, mahua and kusum trees, with bamboo clusters here and there, and enjoying the sweet smell of mogra or the jasmine flowers. Finally, he reached his aunt's place. Panamasi, what a pleasant surprise, Papu! Come, come, come. Big boy now, huh? You came all by yourself? Haan. Dekhi, ab hum keta bada ho gail bani, chaudho par iske. Ar ab hum mai ke sab kaam kar dev. Hmm. Okay, Papu, you have come walking a long way. You must be tired and hungry, right? Haan, Mausi. Itna chalte chalte ekdom bhook lag gail. बुका गई पेट जल्दी से खाना खाई आज खाना में का बनल बा टुडे आई हैव कुक्ड खिचड़ी ठीक आज के जैन सभी जैन इे खाए लन देखी हमरा याद बा ओ पप्पू डू यू नो 
Kichdi goes the best with curd, papad, ghee and pickle. Ha ha ha, Bauji ko hot rahan. Kichdi ke chari yaar, dahi papad ghee achar. Kichdi ke chari yaar, dahi papad ghee achar. Ah ha ha ha, bahut badiya ba, mausi bahut. Um, wah, bahut badiya badan ba. Atani aur dinu, wah ba, um, um. And so, Papu ate and ate and ate. He loved it so much. After resting for some time, it was time to go back home. But Papu could just not forget the taste of the dish. And the name? Oh-oh, he had already forgotten. And so, he kept repeating the name continuously on his way back. But midway, he tripped and fell down. When he got up, he had already forgotten the name of the dish. Oh, Gemaya, Gemaya, ay, 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 Bab, re, Bab. Ja, bula gaini nu, ka khail rahi hun? Kha, ki, khu, ha, ha, kha, chidi. Khachidi, 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 khachidi. Little did Papu know that khachidi meant come birds, come and feed on the crops. So repeating khachidi, he crossed the vast fields again. There was a farmer fixing a scarecrow to scare away the birds. And when he heard Papu, he was wild with anger and bashed him up royally. Hey! एकदम चुप हम यहां इतना मेहनत करके एकदम चिराई भगावत नहीं आज तू उनका दावत देवत रे चल बागिया से बदमाश कहीं का मार मार के एकदम भूरता बना दे भागो ने ना ना हम तो एको चीज के नाम याद करत रही माफ करी तो का बोली हम बोला उड़चड़ी उड़चड़ी हाँ, ठीक बा, उर्चिरी, 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 उर्चिरी. And now, as instructed by the farmer, Papu began to repeat Urchidi as he continued on his way. Again, he did not know that Urchidi actually meant fly away birds, fly away. As he crossed the jungle, there was a hunter who was waiting with his net hoping to catch a few birds. And when he heard Papu, he was furious and gave him a good thrashing. Oh, Gemaya, Gemaya, ay, 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 Bab, re, Bab. Hamra, hamra, di. Ham to ego cheez ke naam yaad kat rahi nu khaye ka maaf kari. To ka boli hum? Ta? To bola? Bhai, chidi. हाँ ठीक बा 
Now, as instructed by the hunter, he continued on his way back, repeating Bhat Chidi, which meant Sit down, bird, sit down. With all the thrashing and bashing, Papu was already tired and hungry. So he stopped by a dhaba, a roadside eatery. Hey, brother, is Pardon me, sir, but there is no dish called bad chidi. Don't do it. Don't not knowing what to do, the waiter went to the cook, the cook to the manager and the manager to the owner. But no one had ever heard of such a dish. And so finally, the waiter went back to Papu. Sir, there is no such dish as bad chidi. There began an argument which turned into a bitter fight. But it was one papu against everyone else at the dhaba, and he was finally thrown out. Badly bruised and beaten, hungry and exhausted, papu managed to reach home. Hey, Bhagavan! Kitchidi it is. Oh, yes. Kitchidi, that is what I wanted. Please, Ma, can you make some Kitchidi for me? And thus, all that for Kitchidi ended well with Kitchidi. Papu forgot all the pain and ate the Kitchidi to his heart's content. Bah! I know what I am cooking for dinner tonight. It is the ultimate comfort food in my family. Khichdi, khichdi, with papad, pickle and lots of ghee. Mm, Indian butter floating on the top, yum. Did you know that there is actually a phrase in Hindi which says, Kya khichdi paka rahe ho? Which means, what mess are you making? Only that this mess is like a warm, familiar hug. Hmm. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to our episode and had a bit of ha-ha-ha-ha-ha laugh too. As they say, some days are good, some days are bad. But every day is a pretty good day to laugh. Write to us at storywalk at gmail.com to share your thoughts on today's episodes. Storywalk is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and other leading podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Storywalk and share it with your friends and family. Do follow Feast on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and upcoming programs. I am Shelly Verma, and on behalf of my co-hosts and co-producers, Nidhi Kujral and Kausar Karimi, 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Do join us next month for a brand new episode with more stories mm-hmm, and conversations. Ciao!